and welcome to episode four of the This and One More podcast by Simple Sessions with me, James Lee. This week, we have our second guest on in the form of Ollie McCarthy, who is another coach specializing in running. We'll be discussing how to improve and enjoy your running whilst avoiding injury, and also having a quick chat about the charity Calm, which Ollie works with quite closely. I hope you enjoy the podcast, and as usual, if you have any questions, at the end, please feel free to get in touch by emailing me at info at simplesessions.co.uk. On with the podcast. Hi, Ollie. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, mate. You? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. Um, so today we've got Ollie on the podcast. He's um, a fellow coach from the Combined Strength Group um, and also works at Fieldworks Gym with me. Um, Ollie is big into his running and works quite a lot with the charity Calm as well. So we're going to dig into a few um, aspects of running and, and also talk about that charity and, and sort of what you do with them and, and why they're so good. So I think that'd be quite helpful um, for people to know a bit more about, especially given um, you know, current situations, et cetera. Um, so just to kick off, I think um, it'd be great if you could just tell everyone a little bit more about yourself, how you came to become a coach and uh, what sparked your interest in running um, and that as your focus. Uh, so my name's Ollie. Um, yeah, like you say, I am a coach who now specialises in running. I have always been kind of fairly active. Played a lot of rugby when I was younger. Uh, was always into the gym. I was quite, um, I was going to say blessed <laughs> in in the fact that I always was, you know. Stronger than most of my peers, I managed to gain muscle a little bit easier than, than other people, um, which kind of backed up all the training I was doing. Um, this progressed, and then when I went to university, I went into a rugby, rugby league team. Um, off the back of that, we got a load of strength and conditioning, um, and I was part of that strength and conditioning squad for about three years. Uh, and it was kind of then that I really kind of began enjoying training a lot more and wanting to learn more about it. Uh, I did my PT qualification in 2013. From there, I did like a brief stint in a gym in Nottingham. Um, but I, I I was there for like three, four months. I had a, it was a very flash in the pan kind of thing um, before I decided that I wanted to concentrate more on my studies and enjoying the last year of uni. Um, yeah. I then kind of came out of coaching in a personal training sense for probably a, around another three years. Uh, I was still doing some rugby league training. I was, you know, was coaching there, coaching an under 13s team as, as well as a university team as well. Um, and then in 2016, I moved back down to London, was looking for a job. And I had this situation where I was offered a personal training job in a, in a corporate gym and was also offered like a job um, on a graduate training scheme for a wine company. Um, <laughs> and because I kind of... Because my experience before as a as a trainer hadn't necessarily been entirely positive, I think it was more the fact that I wasn't ready for the amount of work that I had to do. Yeah. Um, 
back in 2013 when I was still mucking around at uni. Uh, so I had kind of some, some negative feelings towards PT. And uh, so I, I was quite unsure which way I wanted to go. But anyway, I decided, I was like, I'll give it one more go um, in the fitness industry. And that was in 2016. And I've, I've been in ever since. Um, the running thing kind of happened by chance. Uh, a friend of mine asked me to train him for a run in Wales called a fan dance. And I kind of thought, well, you know what, give that a go myself. Um, and then, yeah, just kind of fell in, fell in love with it, really. Um, it was the moment where we were actually on the run, where I kind of, where you're running over Pennyfan in Wales and like the views are spectacular. We were kind of having fun at that point because it was the first half of the run um, and I just kind of thought you know what like I wouldn't there wasn't anywhere else I'd kind of rather be this is this is awesome and then awesome. since then just continued into running and then as a result of that people have kind of come to me to get trained for for runs and so yeah it's kind of cool good good story nice and varied um, so you could have been a wine <laughs> merchant but you're now a coach which is great <laughs> probably for the best <laughs> well yeah probably for the, for the health if nothing else and, yeah and, and i've just recently seen you started like a mindful running course which i think is a really cool idea um especially because i think a lot of people seem to have a negative relationship with running because they find it really hard um or they just yeah. find it boring now can you tell us a bit more about that because that sounds really interesting so the mindful running course was basically formed off the back of feedback from runners um, at the start of lockdown when I kind of reached out to some running groups and talked to people there was a lot of interest in in improving run times five and ten k's like people were loving it they had loads of time they could get out they could run more um, and then towards the end of lockdown or as restrictions were easy and I asked the same questions again and you know why are people out running what are people doing it for and and the predominant feedback was for their mental health and was to kind of you know have some space and some time um to themselves and this kind of fed into some idea i had anyway about running um and the the other side of that was that a lot of people were just getting burnt out um and were not having the same relationship with running as they'd initially had. Um, I think once you, you've improved your five or 10 K time to a certain extent, there's always the, like the question of, Oh, well, you know, what do I do now? And, and instead of people continuing, they, they were stopping. And I suppose the mindful running plan is more just to, it's more a bit of a reset for people and to, t and to take it all the way back. What, what I see a lot of people do is almost skip ahead yeah. um, with their running. They, they almost don't spend enough time developing the skill and, and, and developing the almost the core benefits of, of why you, you go out and run. Um, yeah. So it's almost trying to take people back to that and almost not reform it um the other side of that is is um giving people some tools for understanding and managing their energy better. 
better. Because this is something that I've seen throughout the whole of my career um, and even further back is that people don't properly understand the how stress and rest um, work together to give them energy. And a lot of the time we're fed into this idea of continually having to, you know, if we want to achieve, if we want to do better, we need to put more stress on, you know, um, you need to work faster, you need to work longer, you need to be running further. And I've found that a lot of the time it's not the case and actually yeah. paying more attention to this rest element will pay huge dividends to everything else. Um, so it's giving people some tools to to be able to manage that a little bit better and then make decisions based on what they need rather than what they kind of think they should be doing. Yeah. I think I think all of that is 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 super important. And I think likewise my end, I've seen the same thing. And I've had mm. a few people who've you know, they've gone out running and, and because in their head it's like if I if I'm not matching or beating my PB every time, you know, I'm not working hard enough. And, you know, surprise, surprise, after a couple of months, they've got injuries, they've just had enough of it, they start to hate it. And I think, mm. you know, what you're doing with that mindful thing of taking it right back, almost like just binning off the technology and, and the times and just almost running for the sake of running because it is such yeah. a fantastic yeah. kind of um, exercise in its own right. You know, it's kind of what we're built to do. And um, I think that's really, really, really valuable. Um, and especially on the recovery side of things, you know, you can only perform as well as you recover, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and it's something that gets continually missed, especially in runners. Um, I, th I think a lot of kind of running culture is still dictated by the, the old school thought processes of, you know, you need to be running more mileage every week. You need to yeah. be um, continually adding on, adding on, getting faster, which, which, I mean, there's a place for that in certain in certain points but the the thing is from what running was 20 years ago it's so much more accessible so many more people get involved in it there's so many you know events that people go to so that kind of um thought process doesn't kind of it doesn't apply as much now because running isn't this small niche of yeah, crazy people's yeah running is like a really big uh community now and, and is growing bigger and bigger and I, I think we kind of need to change the, the language and and the thought process to match that because you know if you've got someone who sits at an office all all day um sits at their computer all day and then is going out for runs in the evening telling them they need to be adding more miles on every week while well, they've also got the stresses of three kids at home a you know high pressure corporate job isn't necessarily going to be beneficial yeah yeah massively i think that's that's super important to factor in and something that again you see is that like you said runners tend to go out and go right i've got to run more if i want to get better at running and there's other aspects to it which i think is something i'd like to touch on next is from the side of like a performance aspect in terms of if you are trying to get better at running. And um, you know, like we just said, a lot of people do go for that PB every time. And I think that's yeah. a pretty terrible way to train. And, um, you know, what would you say is a good place for let's, let's say we're not counting your performance people here because, you know, if we, if we want to be the best in the world, you know, that's not really what we do. You know, that's very specific and niche. But if you're like average person, what would your best advice be in terms of 
progressing your running? Um, so two things. Um, one is to, yeah, so one is just to get rid of distance and speed and run for time. Um, I think running for time is really beneficial because it just takes all the pressure off. And, and something that I've always talked to beginners a lot it, is you just want to move. Like time is time. 20 minutes of you moving, it doesn't matter whether you're, you, know, you run 5K in that time or you run 1K in that time. It's just like you want to move. And, and you doing 20 minutes is an accomplishment. Yeah. It, you know, you, you remove everything else and it is just, yeah, I'd move for 20 minutes. Cool. Uh, the other thing is to close your mouth um, and just breathe through your nose. And so one of the big things that I think gets missed is that like, running's an aerobic predominantly or should be an aerobic um, sport. And yeah. But generally people are so poor at using that energy system. Um, that when they go out for runs, they're going to be pushing up into that kind of anaerobic threshold. So their heart rate is going to be much higher and they're going to be using a completely different energy system. In closing your mouth, you, you instantly, um, you instantly bring your pace back down. Like it's, it's a huge pace limiter, which yeah. means that you won't be able to run at the same intensity. Do that for a long period of time and you will build that energy system a lot more than if you were to go out guns blazing every time. So in just closing your mouth and doing everything nasally, you instantly are gonna begin working on the energy system that you're gonna be using long-term anyway. Yeah. Um, but most people don't, so they build a different energy system or build a combination of the two um which would then come back to bite them further on down the line yeah i think that's a really valuable um point actually that when you do your kind of easy runs they need to be a lot easier than you you think they should be yeah. almost almost just just faster than a fast walk kind of thing is almost enough for most people but that's it and and if you're if you haven't done a, a lot of cardiovascular work it it'd probably be a fast walk to begin with um, and th that's absolutely fine because you're, you're training a, a system rather than training a, a sport per se. Yeah. But the system's going to benefit the sport. Um, yeah. and because people never train this system, it is weak. Um, especially yeah. pe people who are new to it. So yeah, of course there'll be days where you, you go faster, but having that, having that um, base of training as well is going to be hugely beneficial, um, but is often missed. Yeah, I think, I think that's you know, massively important. And, and especially with, you know, a lot of people, again, I think people have fallen into the trap of comparing themselves to like the Mo Farahs and the, the Kipchogas of the world. And they're like, oh, I'm not running that fast. It's like, they are like one of a kind people. You yeah. Know, do you have any idea how fast they actually run? Like I went on a cycle ride the other day and they basically ran the same pace. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's like ridiculous. It's, it's insane. So actually, 
you know, no matter even if you break that 20 minute 5k mark that you you've kind of conjured this number in your head that you want to break, yeah, you're still so much slower than they they are. Like, just take that pressure off yourself and and just forget about it. Almost, I think is almost a really good place to start. Would you say? Yeah, I mean, you know, the saying, the comparison is the thief of joy, right? Yeah. Um, I think just focusing on yourself and the small wins over time is so much better than than uh, than focusing on what other people are doing. And it is hard because naturally it's almost ingrained in us to, to try and compare ourselves against one another. But especially when you're delve into that philosophy because you get so many fast gains when you're a beginner. And it's the same with like lifting stuff as well. Like yeah. it's almost like every run, every time you go out, you could be not hitting a PB, but it could be getting a little bit easier. Oh, suddenly my breath makes sense. Oh, you know, my feet feel so much better. I feel more connected with my run. There's so, there's so much you can get out of those first months or year of training that really embrace that don't worry because as soon as you begin progressing even further like they slow down and then you yeah. know fighting for every few seconds off a kilometer or or minute off a pb is is tough so i think embracing that don't worry about what anyone else is doing just worry about yourself yeah i think that's that's a really good point and it's something that's really hard to do especially if you've got like a bunch of mates that also run <laughs> there's yeah, always that yeah. competitive element in there it's really hard to just back off a little bit yeah um, i think also there's something that a little a few people kind of come to you with is it's kind of oh, i'm scared of hurting my knees or you know a lot of runners tend to get injured often from seemingly like overuse because they are running like stupid distances every week and mm -hmm. for someone who's just starting out or even people who are quite experienced runners what would your best advice be on one is running bad for your knees and two mitigating or minimizing your injury risk? Um, no running is not necessarily bad for your knees. It's probably more how you run. Um, yep. and th this isn't a, a technique thing. This is more, uh, okay. You need to be aware of the volume that you're doing like week in, week out. And the big problem that I see is that people, People's natural jump is 5K to 10K, right? And you, you're literally doubling the volume that you're doing. So I heard a story of uh, one of my friends. He had a guy in his office and he wanted to do a little bit more running and he used to run 5K every day. Um, so he decided that he was just going to run 10K every day instead. And it, I mean, that's huge. That, that jump in volume is absolutely huge. If you, were to add, if you were to change one of those 5Ks into a 10K, it would make a difference. Yeah. Yeah, two at max but that is just a huge jump but that's how people seem to to go it's like okay well i did 5k this week i'll do 10k the next week and then maybe a little bit more and um, so one of the big ones is volume and just being aware of that number two is is mobility um the better your mobility is in in all joints but ankles and hips ankles hips and spine are always going to be really important for running efficiently yeah. um, and making sure that they're moving as well as possible because the the less mobility you have in those areas um 
because of the nature of running, because it is fairly high impact, that impact has to go somewhere. So if your ankles aren't as mobile as they should be, that's just going to travel further up. So it, yeah, typically ankles and hips usually um, show in the knees. So if you have uh, a, a mobility issue in your ankles or your hips, you get knee pain. Um, so yeah, mobility is a big one and then strength as well. Like, and the same thing is, is being able to almost absorb some of the impacts during running. The stronger your connective tissue is, the stronger your muscles are, the more it's going to mitigate injury, uh, by absorbing some of that impact as you run. Sure. So just, um, just to clarify, I guess, connective tissue, we're talking like ligaments and tendons. Yeah. Um, as opposed to anything else. Yeah. And then the, the only other thing I'd say is get a coach because people, I mean, this isn't just a shameless plug. Um, <laughs> well, a little bit, um, but so I think naturally people think emotionally rather than log logically. And then yeah. if you give that, if you give your decision making to, across to a coach, then it just removes that completely. Um, so that that will mean that you know someone that can look at the volume that you're doing someone that can also make sure you're doing the right mobility stuff because you, you can plan you can go in with best intentions of planning what mobility stuff you're going to do but if you're short on time you might just bin it because you're like oh, actually i'll just i'll just do a little bit more of a run or something like yeah. that you know those yoga poses at the end of a run they never get done do they <laughs> Well, exactly. I think I think almost they're the most important part, certainly from from what I've seen. If you do nothing else, do your mobility, and then you know you can run less, and it will probably have as good an impact. And um, I think the same yeah. goes for the strength training. Certainly, from what I've seen with 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 the guys I coach, is go take a take someone who runs a lot and get them strong and mobile, and injuries sort of melt away and, and performance increases almost without yeah. doing more running. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Cool. Um, with regards to, I'd, I'd just like to know a bit more about the calm stuff because I find that really interesting. I think that's awesome that you're doing that. Um, so, if you would you like to tell everyone a bit more about basically what calm is, what you do for them, um, and that sort of thing? Yeah, so uh, calm is the campaign against living miserably, which is a, a male suicide prevention charity. Uh, so, the, the main kind of things that they do is raise awareness uh, around male suicide male suicide being the biggest killer of men from the ages between 18 and, and 45. Um, so for me and you, the, the highest risk of us dying is ourselves, which I always like find quite a, uh, a sobering thought. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, yeah. Um, and yeah, so calm basically, um, they just try to raise awareness of male suicide. They try to fight the stigma of um, ideas around masculinity and what it means to be a man. And then they also run like a, a confidential um, like chat service where you can ring up. Um, I mean, I know that they've like literally saved people's lives over the course of lockdown um because that that service has gone into overdrive so they um raise awareness but also help support people support other people's families and anyone who has been affected by suicide 
So I kind of got involved in, with them in 2017 when I decided to run the Brighton Marathon for them. And then I just kind of continued a relationship with them. And then they had a, a spot come up where they needed someone to deliver training for people who are going to be doing their challenge events. Uh, so anything kind of running based, which has also kind of gone into walking a little bit as well. So I kind of just support their runners and anyone who's doing charity events for them. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what they they do. So it's, it's more like, um, again, delivering, delivering workshops for them, delivering support. They've got something called Calm Collectives now, which is basically the idea of forming groups of people who have a similar interest. Um, sure. So the, the running collective, is, I think, is about well, it's over a thousand members strong. Cool. Um, yeah. So, and that's a mixture of people that want to run for calm or just enjoy running. So I help to support, support them as well. Um, that's great. I think, I think it's really important that, you know, one, it shows that exercise can be really beneficial. Um, and also that community aspect, I think is great. Um, in that side of things, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the, the links between running and, and mental health are, like, well proven. Um, so, yeah, being able to, 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 to kind of work alongside them is great. And then just, like, it's just, for me, it's so... I never realised how much, like, lads our age kind of struggle. Um, yeah. And then obviously being opened up to that then really brought it home. And then I began seeing friends around me who were going through hard times and yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's interesting, um, quite difficult at times, but I think that the main thing is just being able to kind of reduce the stigma of, of like not talking um, and being able to get away from the idea that, you know, men must must be men and not talk about their emotions yeah um so yeah i think it's important cool uh, definitely i think this is really good and then um, <clears throat> i'll pop some links at the end so that people can find out sort of where to find your workshops and then um, more about that as well because i think that'd be really important for anyone listening yeah. who might find it helpful and um, just bringing it back kind of more to a performance side of things i guess um from the running thing obviously we've kind of covered i guess the basics and and, and what to mm-hmm. do um, to kind of minimise injury, but from a, when you're trying to actually improve your 5k, 10k marathon time, for example, when it goes towards a race, what I guess training split or training style would you advocate in terms of, um, you know, strength training, like pace runs, long runs, sprints, that kind of thing? How how would you structure that, generally speaking? Um. So generally speaking, so is this what five or ten k or marathon or? So I mean, a, a breakdown of, of either would be great. So like, if if you're looking to improve say, your five k time, yeah, would yeah. You foc- what would you be focusing on primarily? You know, obviously that it's going to shift as you as you do longer distances. You know, you're going to have to do more miles at some point. Mm-hmm. But obviously, like what I guess what probably is going to be more helpful for people to take away from this you probably are listening and might be doing a marathon or might be won't do a 10k is do i just have to go and do loads of long runs or is it more beneficial for me to mix in 
varying tempos and strength training, etc., and you know, that kind of thing, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, I, it's obviously it's a very individual. Um, <clears throat> for a five k, I would focus a lot more on speed work. Um, so I'd probably do again, depending on time. For most people, like two speed sessions per week. Uh, so doing uh, one tempo run and one interval style session. And then a longer run at the weekend, which is probably more recovery based, longer, slower. I just think, I, I, I always think it's beneficial to, um, to keep increasing that aerobic base, um, regardless of what you're doing. Um, so yeah, and then again, depending on their, their time, one to two strength training sessions, I've had a few people that have gone through like these style things and they're tough. Like it, they are tough, uh, training blocks. Yeah. Um, so again, this is something where recovery is so, so crucial. So yeah, two, two strength training sessions would probably be ideal, but for most people isn't achievable. And for most people, I'd rather they have an extra day doing a lot of mobility, maybe a longer walk, um, than anything else. Uh, probably pretty similar for a 10k to be honest um, all I would do is I would increase the interval lengths and increase the um, the tempo lengths as well um, and then when you're beginning to push up into um, half marathon and marathon then potentially looking at adding in another run um, but again, it just depends on, you know, it, it really depends on the individual. Yeah, um, I think that, I think fundamentally across all types of training, um, there should be an element of strength. There should be a very strong element of mobility. Yeah. Uh, I, I will always get runners to do a mo- mobility block before they leave mobility and activation block before they leave and i'd rather they spend more time doing that um and spend less time out running than kind of skip this and and spend more time running sure i mean Uh, i think an element of speed is is always important because that will translate across um if you're doing interval style training um and, and and tempo work as well then that will have a an influence on, on your longer runs as well and then always keeping that longer run um i think as you go longer distance then you're probably going to do less speed work and more uh, aerobic work work and then as you come down shorter distances you'll do more speed work and less uh, longer aerobic work um and then yeah strength training would tend to be full body stuff um depending on where the person is at if they're fairly well trained a lot more plyometric work um a lot more kind of heavier strength work that isn't going to have a huge impact on their running um and then a lot of core and kind of upper body uh positional work um Yeah, I think yeah, that's yeah. Yeah, uh, that seemed like a pretty good, pretty good breakdown to be honest. So I know I appreciate that every kind of 
distance block is quite different in terms of like you know, physical demands, isn't it? Like you know, your marathon's going to be significantly harder on different aspects in a 5k. So there's a lot of variability there, but it's good to have a rough overview. And I think um, yeah. just a couple of terms to, to clarify for people who probably don't know what they mean. When you say tempo run, what do yeah. you mean by that? Okay, so an interval run, for example, is uh, you're doing short distances, faster speed, and then you'll have a period of re- recovery. Um, whether that is moving or kind of st- static recovery yep. and then tempo runs tend to be longer distances um working at a specific um tempo <laughs> yeah so you're working and and this is the thing as well because you probably wouldn't use this style of training too much with um beginners or beginner intermediates um because it's just too complicated and you're throwing too much at someone who just needs to l- learn to run at different speeds for a start or, yeah. or stuff like that. Um, so this is probably for like, like good intermediates or high level intermediates. Okay. So tempo run is where you're, you're running for like a longer distance. Um, so that can be from anywhere from like one K up to several K and you're trying to work at a certain speed, whether that is at race speed or faster than race speed. Okay. Uh, cool. Yeah. I think that clears up. So you're just kind of picking a minute, a kilometer per minute basis and kind of trying to hold that pace essentially for a set time. Yeah. So um, what I tend to get runners to do is to do like a, a six minute run test. Yeah. And then I'll, I'll work out all their um I'll work out all their pacing off off that. Um and then that will give you and then depending on what you want to work on uh specifically, will give you an idea of like times for a split. And I've you I've used this a lot with myself as well. Yeah. Um so that will unless you have like a specific target of like, right, I want to do this 5k in 20 minutes you know you need to be working at a kilometer pace of four minutes per k or below yeah so if you if if you had that in mind then your tempo run might look like i know uh 1k kind of warming yeah 2k a tempo of four minutes or below and then a 1k warm out like as like a very basic um kind of idea but that if you can do that then you can begin to look at like separating blocks of work um and slowly it's it's a way of beginning to piece those faster um those faster bits of work together for for an end aim sure that's really helpful yeah that makes perfect sense it's just i think just people who are listening who might not kind of really know what that means it's nice to have a, a kind of a, a clear idea of how they could maybe if they wanted to implement that in their training um uh, yeah just clarifying terms and stuff makes things a bit easier and same goes supply metrics yeah. which is essentially just for those who don't know kind of jumps explosive work when it comes to supply metrics so like jumping yeah. bounding, that kind of stuff yeah um, well yeah because if you think about running itself it's essentially a low 
a, good, a load of single leg jumps, right? So yeah. um, getting really strong on one leg is like super beneficial. Yeah, and I think that's probably a, another final point, I guess, in terms of the strength stuff is, would you strongly recommend people when they're doing their strength training, focus on what we call unilateral or so single leg movements like lunges and things like that versus what people often do is like, you know, deadlift squats, the big movements. What would you, how would you yeah. split that? Uh, yeah, single leg work is going to be, you know, you think about running, you're spending 75% of your time on one leg. So being strong, um, but also more importantly, being stable on one leg is going to be hugely important. Um, and people often miss the stability like side of things. Yeah. Um, but if you're strong on one leg, but you're unstable, it's, it's not... It's not not beneficial, but you're not going to be able to translate that strength across in its full capacity. So, uh, yeah, doing like a lot of single leg stuff, a lot of balance work, um, and yeah, just getting really strong on one leg is is what I try to do uh, with most people. And like most people tend to be um, fairly unstable anyway. I've found oh, so yeah, like it's got so many wins. Um, not just in terms of training and, and, and in running, but also in, in life as well, right? Yeah, no, I massively agree with you there. People tend to be pretty poor as soon as you get them to stand on one foot versus, you know, standing stable where also people can be pretty poor. Yeah, I mean, like, that's, I, for years, was um, horrendous on one leg. Uh, um, so a lot of rolled ankles and a lot of things like that yeah. because my proprioception was pretty poor. Um, but it's been something that I've been really working on over the last few years. And as a result, I've definitely had less injuries and Good. less I think area in general. Yeah, which is massive. I think injury prevention or at least kind of mitigation is probably one of the most important things. It's often overlooked in the favor of trying to eke out more performance. And it always comes back to bite you. It's, it's just yeah. a good idea. Um, I think to, <laughs> to kind of <laughs> wrap up then, if you had, let's say, two or three take-home points that you think people could go away after listening to this podcast with and implement straight away to make their running better, and um, whether they're a beginner, intermediate, or advanced, um, a few things that most people probably don't think about or could definitely just go away, implement, and they would see benefits from straight away, what would they be? Um, close your mouth. And make sure that you're doing at least one run a week, uh, nasal only. Yep. That would be number one. Two is more mobility. I think that's something definitely I've understood a lot more, um, is just how powerful being more mobile can be. Um, and then the third would be, yeah, get strong on one leg. Um, cool. Yeah, they're my three. Yeah, really nice, simple three. I mean, people who have listened to the first episode have already heard me bang on about mobility, so that's not a surprise. I'm glad you backed me up yeah, on that one. Yeah. I think no worries, the, uh, mate. <laughs> I think the nasal breathing is going to be um, it's something that probably is a bit more of a challenge for a lot of people. Um, yeah. Really focus on that because it will slow you down a lot. Um, yeah. And I think if you really struggle with that, um, alternatives potentially are run with a friend and make sure that you can, you're holding a pace that is really conversational, like you're not struggling yeah. to talk to them. Or if you if you like love having a heart rate monitor because you're just addicted to technology, something that like keeps your heart rate like around about 120 beats a minute, something like that, is probably about the same yeah. effect. I think 
Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's exactly the same. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, yeah, and then I think mobility, get strong. Can't go wrong with that. That'd nah, be great. Everyone's a winner. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think that's everything I'd like to ask you today. Where can people find you um, on social media um, if they are looking for a run coach or would like some more advice? Uh, so my Instagram is Ollie W McCarthy and then Facebook is just Ollie McCarthy. Uh, cool. So if you go um, to either of those two places, then you'll be able to find me. Brilliant. I'll pop the links in the um, episode bio as well so that you can all go and have a look at Ollie and follow him and get some great running information out. Thanks a lot for that, mate. Really enjoyed the chat. Very useful information, yeah, I think. Likewise, mate. Thank you. Brilliant. Thank you for having me on. No problem. I'll catch you later. I hope that you enjoyed that episode and thanks a lot for listening. If you have any questions or topic suggestions, as I mentioned at the start, feel free to email me at info at simplesessions.co.uk or you can also reach me on Instagram at jamesleept. If you're enjoying the podcast, I'd really appreciate a quick review. And also, if you'd love to share it with your friends, that'd be excellent. The more people that can hear this and enjoy it and also hopefully get some benefit from it, the better. Thanks a lot for listening to this episode and I hope you're looking forward to one more next week. Thanks a lot. Have a great week.